Hey everybody, this is Townsend. Thank you so much for tuning in. As a lot of you know, these conversations began as joined live streams that turned into podcasts to help reach more people and spread more hope. Thank you so much for your patience with the quality of sound as we figure out the best way to bring you these important chats, just in hopes of spreading more love and positivity. I hope you enjoy. All right. Welcome, guys. What is up? My name is Townsend. As you know, tonight is a super uh, sensitive topic, honestly, one that makes me a little nervous to chat about, but one I wanted to learn more about. Um, it's, it's something I feel like we all need to learn about, we all need to know about, we need to be aware about, especially for younger children. Um, I learned, I read a lot of statistics. I like to do a lot of research before my live streams, learned a lot of things I did not know. And so we'll chat about that later, but let's introduce yourself. So this is Tess. So tell us a little bit about who Tess is. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Townsend. I'm so excited. Um, I am huge on mental health and advocating for mental health and doing whatever I can um, because I've been so blessed in my life and I'm looking to give back as much as possible. So yeah, my name's Tess. I'm from the central Arkansas area. I was raised in Conway um, and then I moved to Benton here recently. Um, I am a first grade teacher. I teach uh, first grade in the Little Rock School District. Um, absolutely love it. So I've been teaching for five years. Um, I have a dog named Trout. He's a yellow Labrador. And um, so if you hear him, if you hear a squeak, it's him with his obnoxious toys. Um, so yeah, that's just, that's just a little highlight about me. Um, little brief summary. I love it. Tess, how old are you? What's your age? 26. 26. You're a baby. <laughs> oh, I know. Man. Okay. Okay. So something super interesting I learned. Um, so one, I've had a ton of discussions. I'm a, I mean, obviously I love mental health. I love the science behind it. I love learning more about it. Love people learning about them, helping people, uh, not to mention have had my go at it as well. Just getting over dark times, you know, um, and something that just irks me to the bone is when people try to talk about suicide and they're like, I just don't understand it. It's so selfish. Oh, thing yeah. infuriates me more quicker than that comment. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to go over something that I read a million times when I was researching this and the best wordage that I read was that suicide isn't wanting to die. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much wanting to be pain-free and just having that glimmer of hope is mm-hmm. what And so it's not that they want to die. And actually, as weird as this is to say, it's pretty brave. A lot of people would say it's cowardly. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't do it, right? Like, like, well, I'm too scared to do that. Yeah, it's not cowardly and it's not selfish. Mm -hmm. That's just not the way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Does that irritate you when people say things like that? Oh my goodness, yeah. Um, People saying that suicide is selfish, that's one of like my biggest pet peeves because... I like to think of myself as actually like a selfless person. Like I, not to toot my own horn, but I would do anything for anybody. Um, And I think the important thing to note is that a lot of people that are experiencing suicidal thoughts or decide to try to take their own life, they actually think that it is a selfless act. They feel like they are a burden to so many people around them that they would be doing everyone around them a favor by leaving. Um, And so I think that it's just, there's so much going on in your head that you can't even explain. Um, And the judgment that comes from it, um, we really need to get rid of the the stereotype around it, especially if you're a person that's never experienced it. Um, You can't judge someone if you've never had suicidal thoughts yourself. And so just, you know, opening up and being willing to listen to someone that struggled um, is really important. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I know several people that sadly have successfully gone through with it and Mm -hmm. they were the best people I know. Some of the selfless people I know, very family oriented, very funny, which you can find a lot of times, very uh, loving, very involved in church. They had Mm -hmm. tons of friends and again around that time I heard so many comments about oh my gosh that was so selfish and I'm like you knew them yeah 
it's not selfish. They were in such a dark place and thought everyone would be better off. It's, it's really sad. Also going back to, if you haven't had these thoughts, you can't mm -hmm. judge one. I read a statistic again, looking into this over one in four people have thought about attempting suicide. Now mm -hmm. the people that have reported it, and this was back in like 2016. So think about 2021 after COVID, you know, the millennials growing up were way more aware. Uh, LGBTQ is coming out a little bit more with a lot of pressure. Social media involves a lot of pressure. So I can only imagine in my head, these numbers have skyrocketed and one in four is a lot. That is a lot. I didn't, like, I didn't know that myself. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So imagine you're in a four, in a room with four of your best friends, you and three best friends, actually four of you that, yeah, one of you's contemplated suicide, wow. which you wouldn't think it was that common, but it really is. And again, those are people that admitted it. You're right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like that statistic would be much higher if people were a hundred percent honest and if they did a new study in 2021. Yeah. COVID has been so rough for so many people. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive in. I know this is a super vulnerable <laughs> topic. Uh, mm -hmm. One that I've actually, I, I don't know all the details about your story. I'm excited to hear about it. I want to tell people I met you because I started my You're Not Alone thing and you were one of the first people that reached out. Yeah. For that man. It's gone all the way to here from that video <laughs> that we did. Yeah, I, it's it's so great to know someone that is like doing everything they can to advocate. And so anytime I see anything, I'm I'm on it. Like, let's go. If this could help even one person, let's do it. Absolutely. I love it. So, yeah, I made a little video. I posted about if anybody has any stories that they're brave enough to tell, send me a message. I got messages from all over the U.S. Tess was one of these, and she was brave enough to share it while I spliced them, put all the stories together. And that video has gotten uh, attention nationwide. It's gotten a ton of news features and things like that. And it has come all the way to these live streams, which are going to be a podcast as well. It's been super cool. The feedback has been amazing. So, again, so lucky to have met you and been able to collaborate with you on this. Yeah, of course. Okay. So the people that haven't watched that video and including myself that getting a little bit more into it, let's chat a little bit about your story, just what you're comfortable with doing. So, so why is suicide awareness and prevention so important to you? So I guess just going back to the beginning, um, I think I can remember first having suicidal thoughts when I was probably, I don't know, six years old. I was probably in first, first grade. Um, and it was nothing major. It wasn't anything that I was going to act on, but I remember just thinking things like, Oh, like, and it sounds crazy to say it out loud, but I remember thinking if I just stuffed my head in this pillow right now, like it, I could die. Um, and then I remember, you know, dri driving over a bridge and being like, wow, like our car could fall off this bridge and like, I would die. Like that would be awesome. You know? Um, and, when I was five, um, my parents separated, my parents divorced. So, you know, I, I went from living with both parents, having them involved to my life completely was turned upside down at such a young age. Um, but I still, I had such a great childhood. I had such great parents, um, very supportive. Um, and so my dad lived in a different state. My mom lived here in Arkansas. We moved back to Arkansas. Um, and so I remember just having feelings of like sadness. And to this day, someone might relate to this, but Backyard Burger, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's like a, like a burger place. And they have these little red Kool-Aids. And like to this day, if I see a red Kool-Aid at a grocery store, I will just start to cry because it takes me back to such a sad time in my life. And so I remember just feeling very blue for a lot of my life. Um, and then, but being so young, I didn't really know how to express how I was feeling. I thought that this was just normal. Like people just feel this way. Um, and so when I was nine, my mom actually got me into some counseling because some of the things that I was saying, she was like, that's not really normal. <laughs> um, and so I got into some counseling and that, that helped me a little bit. And it kind of helped me work through the divorce. I was new to a new school. Like 
there were so many changes in my life. And so that really helped. Um, and then I continued on throughout elementary school. And I think probably by the time I was like 12 or 13, um, the feelings of like overwhelming sadness were even more intense, like just crying all the time. And like the way that I would describe it is feeling like I'm in the bottom of a black hole and I'm looking up and like I can see a little bit of light and I can see everyone around me like laughing and having a great time and I can hear them but I can't, I can't get out of the dark hole. And like, I, I want to get there, but I can't. Um, if that makes it, if that puts it into perspective at all. Sure. Um, so then, you know, high school hits, it's a rough time for a lot of peeps. It was really rough for me. Um, and then when I was 16, one of my friends passed away um, in a four wheeler accident. And that changed the trajectory of my entire life. Um, I just spiraled. I had no idea how I was even going to finish high school. I mean, it was so, so hard for me. And so I think another thing that's important to note is that I've had like obviously a chemical imbalance in my brain. Like no one at six thinks about taking their own life, right? Um, but then I had something situational happen. So one of my friends passed away. Um, and so you know, you can take as much medication as you want, but you're still going to be sad because your friend literally just died, you know. Um, and so I had started medication when I was about 12 and I took it and then it didn't work. So I got on something different. I took another medication. It didn't work. And then I just kept trying. And I think I tried 12 medications. Um, and then that's when the feelings of hopelessness really kicked in. Um, because I remember thinking, I've tried 12 of these. None of them have worked and none of them ever are. This is my state, this is my condition, this is how I'm gonna be for the rest of my life. And I remember thinking, I'm never gonna have a future. I, you know, a lot of people in high school, they dream about where they're going to college. I didn't care. I, I didn't think I was gonna go to college because I didn't plan on being here to go. Um, I didn't have any dreams for myself. I had no idea, you know, if I stuck around what I would do with my life. I had no idea because I, I didn't care. Um, and so at that point, I remember 17, um, I was in high school. Um, I was in sixth period art class. And that was probably the lowest of lows that I've ever felt in my life. Um, and I, I came into class that day and I was just crying, but I was almost relieved at the same time. I was really sad to be leaving everyone behind, but I was really happy for myself because I just, I just wanted the pain to end. I mean, think about like, you just had a really intense, uh, like leg, right? And like that hurts and you just need some relief. Like you just need something to make that pain in your leg go away. Cause that's all you notice is that your leg is hurting, right? And that's how I felt every minute of every day. Um, and it was just exhausting mentally, physically. Um, I had to go to school. Um, and I, I need to note that like my, my parents, had no idea how bad any of this was. Um, I wasn't completely honest with them because I knew that it would worry them. So I'm kind of going back and forth a little bit, but when I was in art class that day, I decided that that was gonna be, that was gonna be it. That was gonna be my last day. Um, Cause I couldn't take the pain anymore. And um, that was, that was gonna be it. And um, long story short, I ended up um, in the hospital for nine days and I remember just seeing my mom for the first time afterwards and her just sobbing and her saying, sorry if I get emotional, and her just saying, I'm so sorry. Like, I had no idea, Tess, like, I had no idea that it was this bad. Um, and she was just crying. And I remember, you know, my dad lived in a different state. And I remember calling him and talking to him on the phone and he was crying. And I had never heard my dad cry. Um, and so just knowing in that moment, like 
how much they actually loved me. And I, I had no doubt that my parents loved me. And I think another thing to note is that a lot of people with suicide feel like they're a burden and they feel like no one around them loves them. Oh, I knew, I knew that I was loved. I knew that I was, but I also knew that I would be better off not here anymore. Um, and so after that day, nine days in the hospital, um, and basically what that was, was just some medication management. Um, and I was like, oh, like the medication is killing me. None of these are working. Like, oh my gosh. And so anyway, I went to a psychiatrist and she ended up doing a genetics testing on me. Um, and that's a really cool process. Um, I think you like spit in a tube. I don't think it's blood. I think you put spit in a tube and you mail it in. And they're able to see like which medications your body like metabolizes. And so we got the results and it was like instant relief because all of those medications that I had taken had a big red X by them showing that my body would not metabolize any of those medications. Wow. They so basically for my entire life, it was like I hadn't taken anything at all to help wow. me. Yeah. Um, and so they had also had a list of medications that had a green check mark beside them. And the very first one that I tried is the one that I'm still on today, nine years later. Wow. Okay. I have a <laughs> lot of thoughts about that. Okay. One, thank you for sharing that story. Honest to goodness, it's hard for me not to cry because I just, I, I get the place of just total darkness and you know you're loved, but it's just, it's so lonely, you know, yeah. and you're just a burden. Um, mm -hmm. Somebody said the MTHFR gene mutation. Somebody said, you're amazing, Tess. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Okay, so one, I want to note, um, I have two nieces, and this is something that I feel like this topic needs to be talked about. It's sensitive. It's hard. Nobody wants to talk about it because, you know, it's scary. Yeah. Um, half the people don't understand it, and the other pe half of people that do, it's like a trigger warning. Um, it could trigger somebody. It's sad. It's not happy. However, again, I was reading up on this. And so like you were talking about in your teenage years, your younger years. So before you hit adulthood, which is kind of crazy, um, mm -hmm. your brain can't process emotions like an adult can. And so basically mm -hmm. your brain uh, senses greater intensity on all of your emotions, including sadness and isolation. And so kids that are in junior high, in high school, they're getting made fun of again, social media and all these pressures that are being put on mm -hmm. process anything like an adult can. They haven't learned those coping me mechanisms. Their brain is not fully developed just yet. And so think about that mm -hmm. plus being sad. I mean, it just blows my mind. And so they, they're not even given a fair chance if they're not talked to about this. Yes. Right. And so again, like the first thing I think about hearing your story are my two nieces and although they seem happy and th they just need mm -hmm. to know things will get better. Mm -hmm. Things will get better. I, I think, so going off of what you said about your nieces, like they seem happy. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that they're not, but like for me, when people found out that I attempted to take my own life, like they were like, Tess, what? Like, are you serious? Like, and I've had teachers that so many teachers that have reached out to me on Facebook, you know, and they're like, you would have been the last person I would have guessed the last person because they're like, you were so sweet and so bubbly and just loud and just full of life and just seemed always had a smile on your face and you were so happy. And I realized now, like, I was so good at hiding it. I was so good you know? And so think about how many people around us have that same face on, you know, sure, like it's crazy to think about. Yeah. We all go to work and the small talk, Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? But really they don't know you stay <laughs> like crying or <laughs> that you want to jump off a bridge tomorrow. But <laughs> like, like we make light of it, but literally we're so good at hiding and mm -hmm. COVID and I've said this a thousand times, social media make it so hard because you're stuck behind a screen. So one-on-one -on -one interaction, these conversations just aren't happening. 
um, and I just feel like it's super important. Um, in 2019, they actually found that um, almost 1.4 million suicide attempts were, were done. 1.4 million. Wow. And again, mm -hmm. those are the ones reported. So I mm -hmm. found that women, I, I, I thought this was super interesting. Okay. So women, for whatever reason, um, a lot of them that did the manic, uh, medication management, so they overdosed purposefully, mm -hmm. they were recorded as accidental overdose. So they survived, but it was recorded as an accidental overdose. So that doesn't even go into that 1.4 million suicidal attempts. So you add in all these different wow. things that reported differently. So the numbers are just skyrocketed. And again, these statistics were years ago. This doesn't even have to do with everything going on in 2021. So it just, it blows my mind. Like people are just so lonely and sad. It's really, it's really depressing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And we're it all, is. you know, like you, you, you fake a smile and you act happy and you think this isn't normal. Nobody else <laughs> feels like me. And that's just so not true. It's so not true. Yeah. You're standing in a room, a, cl a classroom of 30 people. Think about how many people have contemplated it themselves mm -hmm. and just never talk about it. Yeah. It's just wild. It's wild to me. Okay. So what other than medication, we talked about mm -hmm. how important medication can be for certain people. Um, actually, I want to talk about that testing. So yeah. expensive because I feel like, why are we not doing that more? It was so expensive. Okay. Like it was so expensive and I can't remember how much it was, but I think it was like maybe like 500, $600. I can't really remember. Cause it's been so long. So no telling how much it is now, but at that point it was like, we have nothing left to lose. Like, yeah. oh, let's yeah. do this, you know? Yeah. There's nothing at that point. Okay. I was curious, like, why are we not just doing that to begin with? Yeah. For me, you know, seeing a psychiatrist, the first psychiatrist that I saw, I'll give her a shout out, Melanie Conway in Little Rock. If you need anybody, she's incredible. But she was my psychiatrist that I went to see. And just sitting down with her and being able to say to someone, hey, I kind of feel like I want to jump off of a bridge. And her being like, yeah, let's, let's talk about it instead of, oh, I'm going to admit you to Bridgeway or whatever. Like, because as a psychiatrist, she's heard it all. And so, and I think a lot of it is pride. A lot of people don't want to go to a psychiatrist because they're like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Um, and it's like, no, there's nothing wrong with it, girl. Like, just go. And so that she was amazing. And she really is just so smart. And she talks about the science of it all. And she talks about our body and how everybody's body is different. And how she's like, there's a reason, Tess, that these medications aren't working for you. And that's okay. We're going to figure it out. And so just, I would totally recommend going to a psychiatrist if you need one, because they have a lot of knowledge and they know exactly what they're talking about and they will help you. Absolutely. Um, okay. So what helped you come out of that dark place? Like not only medication, but what coping mechanisms helps you kind of see the light a little bit better? Um, I kind of hate to say it because when people used to say it to me when I was in a dark place, after I started being open about it, I would just roll my eyes because it was very frustrating to hear, but truly time, time, like when you say things will get better with time, it's absolutely true because I think part of it is like what we were talking about earlier is that as I got older, I just realized like, this is part of me. Okay. And I'm just learning some different like coping mechanisms. Like I know how to deal with it now. So like, I'm going to be completely honest. Last week was very rough for me. I like, it's just stressful at work. Like there's a bunch of things going on. And so like, I would get home from work and I would just sit on the, on the couch and I would just like cry, just like sobbing. And like, as much as I wanted to just sit there and watch Netflix, like I was like, no, you need to get up, like do something. And so I learned that, you know, when I was younger, I used to just lay in bed all day and like that makes it worse. And as much as you just want to lay in bed because you're just in pain and you're hurting inside, you've got to get up. So I got up, I took my dog for a walk, lots of sunshine, like sunshine always makes me feel better. I always think of legally blonde endorphins make you happy, you know? <laughs> so that's like literally in my head all the time endorphins make you happy. 
so I always like to go outside and like walk my dog, like go for a run, you know, just go to the park and just sit in the sunshine. Like if you don't want to walk, just drive somewhere. Um, you know, um, let's see if you need to just take a nap, just take a nap, but don't just lay there all day. Um, I really like puzzles, like just getting up. I, I did laundry all day, like clean my house, listen to music, like just finding something to keep you busy because that's the biggest thing that has helped me is just staying busy. And I know with COVID, a lot of people that have struggled with COVID, you know, back when we had the, the big quarantine where everything was closed, everybody was really sad. And I, people were just saying, I just needed to stay busy, you know, find a craft, find a new recipe. Like I always try to find something once a week that makes me happy. Do something once a week that makes me happy. Um, whether that's, you know, trying a new recipe, like I made lemon strawberry cookies last weekend, you know, like doing Girl. something. <laughs> yes, they were, they okay. were not as good as listen, 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 listen. We just hit a whole new friendship. Um, I'm going to eat those. Okay. <laughs> yes, they were not as good as Cross Creek, but they were pretty good. <laughs> So yeah, just, I think just finding something to keep you busy, um, is the biggest thing. Sure. Absolutely. I would have to agree with that for sure. Um, so what have you done to improve your mental health? So those are kind of coping mechanisms. Um, like for example, for me, I find it super beneficial. I love, like I said earlier, I love learning people. I love learning why I am the way I am, why people are the way they are. I want to be able to interact better and understand. So I love to read. So any book I can get my hand on that's like uh, self-help, that I'm learning different ways people cope, I love that. And for me, I feel like that helps my mental health. It helps me understand other people's mental health. So what do you do other than like those little coping mechanisms that help you out understanding was yeah so I think I think it's kind of similar I do like to read I like to listen to other people's stories um I think one of the biggest things is just realizing that um you're not alone in this um other people are feeling the same way um and I think another thing that helps my mental health is advocating for mental health um and really just rallying with the people around you that support you, um, I think is the biggest, the biggest help. Yeah. So yeah. basically you love my live streams. Yes. <laughs> totally basically. Good. Yes. Basically. Yes. All right. So Colin said lemon strawberry recipe, please. Foodnetwork.com. And I, I want to say it was maybe Paula Dean's recipe. Not sure. Um, I can maybe, maybe send you the link and you can post it. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a good coping strategy. Eating sleep. <laughs> yes. May not be healthy, but it helps for a minute. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So let's chat about prevention and awareness. Um, so this is a tricky topic because we just talked about some of the happiest people I know are the ones that were successful with their suicide attempts. Mm -hmm. um, like people told you how bubbly you are, how mm -hmm. selfless you were. And so it's really hard. It's not like, I think people have in mind, it's those kids that are alone and isolated mm -hmm. in the corner of the room and they don't have any friends and they game all day. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't you think that that's what people imagine? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But in reality, for me specifically, like the one that pops in my head was the guy that came to work, always joking, great dad, great friend, amazing employee, super involved with church, always busy with his kids. You would never know he had a sad day ever. Mm -hmm. And that's who it was. And so that's why I want to chat about prevention and awareness. And so for me, I can guesstimate kind of, but you being a survivor, what are some things uh, people, especially parents should be mm -hmm. aware of or on the lookout for, like, what are those key things I should be looking for? Yeah. So I think another thing to note is that 
so my aunt, I lost my aunt to suicide. Um, and she was, um, I was actually really young when she passed away. So we didn't really have a relationship, but, um, she, from what I hear, she was bubbly and vivacious and just so full of life. Um, and she passed away from suicide. Um, and so, but that was, you know, I'm 26 years old and she, um, passed away when I was really, really young. And so I think over time, I think back then, I felt like she really didn't have an outlet, probably. Um, I think if she ever were to say anything to anybody about the way that she was feeling, she would be, she would be shut down. She would be told she was crazy. Don't talk about it. Like things are going to be okay. Like, and it's different now. I, it's still not great, but we're moving in a different direction. Um, and so I think, um, things that parents can look for, um, gosh, that's hard to talk about and to think about. Um, but I just try to think about my own story. I think the first and most important thing is being willing to talk to your kids, um, and not shutting them down, um, and just validating that their emotions are, are valid and, and they're real. Um, because I don't know, for me, my parents were always very open with me um, and they would do anything for me. But I always thought that if I told them how I was feeling, that I would disappoint them and make them think that they didn't do enough for me. Um, like they gave me the world. They gave me everything I could ever ask for. And here I am wanting to end my life. Like it, it doesn't make sense. And so... I think it's important to talk to kids about, like, I know you're thankful. Like, my mom still tells me, like, I know you love me. Like, it's okay. Just be honest. Just be honest and tell me because that, as your mom, that's what I want to know. I want to really know how you're feeling. And so I know that the way you're feeling has nothing to do with what I've done for you. This is all in here, and it's, it's okay. Um, and so I think Another thing is probably, um, like I think about me, are we talking about like warning signs? Like if you think someone is like thinking about suicide, things to look for? Uh, yeah, sure. So let's talk about like parents. What do you feel like? We'll start with awareness first and then kind of preventative temps later. But yeah, they have a kid, they're super involved, they got friends, but what are some things they can look for where they're like, okay, Something's going on. Yeah. Um, I think their child becoming um, like not as interested in their activities. So like for me, I was super into band and like loved band and I loved gymnastics and all of those things. And I just did not want to do that anymore. I had no desire to like go and do anything. I didn't have any energy like um, I didn't want to hang out with my friends. I, I didn't want to go and do anything. And so that was a big thing for me. Personality switch, you know, like things that I used to be interested in, I'm not interested in anymore. I think that's probably the biggest one um, that I can think of uh, yeah. for that. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, you know, one of the biggest, I thought they were kind of I don't know, like common sense. Some of the ones I ran across, there were like three that always popped up when I would research like awareness, you know, things to be aware of. And it was like, if your child discusses ending their life, well, no kidding. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm talking about the people that are happy go lucky. Like what are mm -hmm. some of the little signs that we're missing as coworkers and friends, but like at home when they're at home, what are those little triggers that surely they're giving off? And so, yeah, I think personality is a good one to be aware of or yeah. loss of interest or, yeah, anything like that. Any change could be a great time to have a conversation about anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or, you know, sharing your own struggle. I think, yeah. I think if someone were to share their struggle with me, I think that that probably would have helped me. Um, yeah. Someone, you know, letting me know, like, I've been through this and it sucks, but you're going to get through it and you're going to be better on the other side. I think that would have helped me tremendously. Yeah, I think that's a great idea for sure. Um, yeah, very interesting. So what are some good ways 
others can help people that are struggling in this area? I think just being a listening ear, um, <laughs> something that really comes to my mind is my sister, Lindsay, and I, we always joke about she knows how much I hate the phrase choose joy and like all those things that you see at Hobby Lobby that are like, like literally like choose joy, like be happy today. And it's like, oh, these people have obviously never struggled with <laughs> mental health. Right. Um, and so <laughs> I, the biggest thing is just being a listening ear. If someone's talking to you about how they're feeling, don't say, oh, well, just choose to be happy. Like, really? You don't think that I've tried that one? <laughs> like, you know, or like think positive. Um, just because that really, I think, shuts people down even more. Like, oh, well, they, they didn't want to listen. So, and I, I think that's a big thing that, that happens is that we're like, well, be positive. Think positive. And then you feel like you can't talk about it anymore because you're just told to be happy and be positive. And so I think um, just being a listening ear and being like, wow, I'm really sorry that you're going through that. Is there anything that I can do to help? Like, is there anything that I can do? Like, do you need help with laundry? And honestly, for me, sometimes when I'm still having rough days, like I didn't have this magical cure where like I'm automatically cured from like mental health. I just want somebody to talk to me on the phone or like FaceTime for a couple of minutes or like someone just come over and sit with me on the couch. Like you don't even have to say anything. I just need someone to sit here with me. Um, and so just being a good friend and a good listener is the biggest thing that I can think of. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fantastic. Um, so going back to you were talking about going through Hobby Lobby and being like, these people have never struggled with mental health. One. <laughs> breathe and love and I'm like I, I breathe right um, yes okay so I want to kind of reiterate that for people so for me this is how I look at it mental health is a huge umbrella and so for me I want to address mental health as well as mental illness I feel like in in my understanding those are two different things every person on this earth will struggle with mental health, mm -hmm. right? Everybody, you're going to wake yeah. up a day, you're going to have a bad day. There might be a reason for it. There may not be, you might be better the next day. Now mm -hmm. there are going to be some people that literally, like you said, are going to have a chemical imbalance. That's going to be a different story. Mm -hmm. uh, medication may help them, but you know, so mental health is going to be every single person. And that's, I've had a lot of questions about why are you so involved in mental illness and suicide? And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what it is. It's spreading awareness that we're all the same. Mm -hmm. We all mental health to me is just like physical health, spiritual health, mental health. Like we got to be in, we check. all have it and we yeah. all have to take care of it. Exactly. We got to be in check every single day. Now, some of us have a little bit of a chemical imbalance, which can make it a little bit more complex than Joe Blow over here that can literally choose <laughs> joy and feel a little bit better. <laughs> but some of us aren't that lucky. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. so I want to preface that to everybody to let them know, like, the ones that are talking about oh, like oh psychiatrist and oh mental illness like no 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 this is everybody like we said earlier one in four years ago one in four people contemplated suicide seriously and enough to report it in a study that's huge and i guarantee you not all those people have mental illness right mm -hmm. right uh, i also found that almost 70 percent of people that um died by suicide were white males yeah 70 percent. that's yeah crazy. and so again a lot of that can just be mental health they got in a bad rut and they didn't feel good enough they didn't feel perfect enough there are too many stressors from the world of being a perfect parent and a perfect friend and a perfect worker and we've taught men especially mm -hmm. to keep feelings inside and yep. just feel better yeah choose joy Quit acting like a girl, like, right. you know, yeah. that's a big one. Yeah. Like you're talking about your aunt back in the day, you would have been shunned for mentioning anything. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I love when people talk about how mental health 
is a new thing and it's because millennials are more sensitive and I'm like no I've worked with Jerry <laughs> for like going on 11 years now 10 11 years and they're just have always been just as sad and upset as we have they just couldn't talk about it mm -hmm. um, and they're just now getting the help they need and the medication they need pretty much honest to goodness if I think back I would probably guesstimate 80% of my geriatrics were seeing a psychiatrist. Wow. So they're getting the help now, but it's always been around. It's just yeah. not in your face in the media. And I think that's fantastic because people need to have these conversations. Think about how strong those people are to like be at a geriatric age and they have lived their entire life with this. Some people probably very severe and they're still here and they're still hanging on. That's yeah. amazing. It is, it is uh, especially mental illness, literally like you have a chemical imbalance. I have met a geriatric that had schizophrenia and it mm -hmm. wasn't a thing back then. That wasn't even a yeah. And they lived their entire life and finally got the help they needed, the medication. There are almost like miracle medications for mental health right now, mental illnesses. Um, and she told me the stories from back in the day when she would tell people these things and they literally thought she was batshat crazy. And it's so sad. Yeah. Talk about it. They just kind of shunned her like she was an outcast, which she was because she was talking about it to other people. But yes. Wow. Yeah. Guy. And schizophrenia, that's like so interesting to bring up because my mom's like great aunt. So she's related to me somehow. But anyway, she's like 96 and she's in a nursing home and she is schizophrenic. And we've gone to visit her a few times and it's like she sees things that aren't there and like it's just a totally different ballpark. So like, you know, people with depression and people with this and that, like mental health, mental illness, like there is so much there. I can't even be so much. Yeah, I can't even begin. And they're finding more and more things, more and more um, labels, I guess you could put on it. Therefore, more and more uh, help is being provided. Um, so I do want to say as well. So suicide, you were talking about, again, I want it to relate to more people and for people to realize it's not just a, oh, she's crazy. Oh, she mm -hmm. needs a psychiatrist. Oh, it's a mental illness false 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 so for you you're talking about there's chemical imbalance which mm -hmm. can totally be it for you you talked about when you were six you had these thoughts which mm -hmm. you you mentioned that's not common six-year-olds don't usually think about things like that at six I was probably picking my boogers and that's all I think about, <laughs> yeah. I think about contemplating my death I assure you however suicide can be triggered by so many things not just uh some kind of imbalance that you can't help it can be triggered by trauma from when you were six and then somehow it gets triggered at 20 years old it can be mm -hmm. triggered by environmental it can be triggered by all these different things that play a part and it's not a chemical imbalance right you know like there are just right. so many things that can trigger it not everybody that does that is crazy or right you know should be shunned like your aunt back in the day like that's mm -hmm. just not how it is and like bullying is a huge thing yeah. And yeah. now the cyberbullying. Yeah. And so you think about a kid being cyberbullied, they're not mentally ill because they're so down about being bullied. Like that just, that's the stigma I, I hope to get across to people to end and just thinking, oh, they're crazy. No, actually, right. like we talked about earlier, it's pretty brave in a weird sense because yeah. you would be a coward. You wouldn't do that. And yeah. it's just like, for me, I think about it as it got far enough to where to them, it was a selfless act. Yeah. And then the world would be better without them. Yeah. That doesn't make And the fact that like so many people are afraid to die. Yeah. Um, because they don't know for sure. Like, let's be real. Like we all like have faith in whatever we believe in, whatever we do or do not believe in. But at the end of the day, none of us really know. Um, and so just to be able to like be, it is, it is brave. Like I've never heard it like that, put like that, like, but it really is being willing to just 
be like, it's worth it to me. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but it can't be any worse than what I'm experiencing right now, you know? Yeah. And I hate, I kind of feel backwards associating such a positive turn with something so negative. Um, and I certainly don't want to encourage it by putting a gold star on it. Right. If, if you really think about the details, I'm addressing that specific situation where people call it cowardly. It is right. not cowardly. And that that's where I use that term. Now, I'm not putting a gold star on that. I don't want people to go do that. I'm just simply trying to break it down, take away the stigma of it's cowardly. It's selfish. It's because he was mentally ill. We couldn't have helped him. Like just all the red X's. Can we just note that people, and I might've already said this because it's been flying through my brain, but can we just note that the people that are saying that it's like cowardly and like selfish and all those things, those people are the reason that there's such a stigma around it and why so many people feel like they can't be open about how they are feeling. Oh, absolutely. And they have to just live their life with a happy face, put a, put a smile on and just keep on keeping on no matter how bad you feel because they yeah. feel like they can't be open about it. Sure. Imagine them saying that to their child. Like, yeah, you would, uh, that's cowardly. Like, yeah. What? Uh, okay. Like, um, let's yeah. normalize being able to like, when someone says, how are you doing today? Being like, you know what? Not so great. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? Yeah. That'll let's talk somebody. about it. You know, <laughs> let's chat about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, sharing your deep, dark feelings is not something to put on blast. I mean, I don't put anything on blast, really. I'm a private person, but those feelings have to come out somehow, whether it be with a preacher, a pastor, a best friend, your mom, whoever you trust. You don't have to tell, again, Joe Blow that chooses joy. You don't have to have that conversation with him, um, but you got to have it somehow. But I hate Joe like, Blow. <laughs> oh, right. Right. No, really. Somebody named Joe is on here is just crying. <laughs> um. So I do want to like relate to you. So I don't know how much of my story you have heard, but um, so basically I started have, having anxiety and kind of coming to terms with dudes. Something is up. I've not experienced this feeling before, but it feels like, like you expressed earlier, like a black hole that I can't get out of. Uh, the walls are kind of falling in on me. And so somebody that I really loved and I really trusted, I prepared for this conversation. Okay. Like, was sweating, like had stomach knots because you're admitting having something wrong, mm. right? Um, and it That's took tough. So courage. Yeah, it took so much courage to have the conversation. And I finally, we, we went to dinner and we had a one-on-one -on -one talk and it was very surface level. And I said, listen, I wanted to talk because I feel like I'm just, I feel like I'm having anxiety. And you know what the response was? We all well, have anxiety. Yeah. Well, if you just don't think about it, you won't be anxious. And I know oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> and again, it's not that they didn't love me. Mm -hmm. They shower me with love. They give me everything that they have. It's a great dear friend of mine. They just don't understand. Yeah. I had this conversation. Uh, their interpretation of anxiety is much different than mine. Right. So, like we talked about validating feelings, that conversation shut me down for so long. I didn't want to talk with them again. I didn't want to tell other people because I thought, oh crap, like people think I'm nuts. Is everybody going to respond like this? Yeah. 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 And that was the first response I ever got. And I like it again, shut me down so deeply and was so terrible and so I can't imagine somebody that was feeling something worse than that or, you know, a younger child that can't process like a loved one telling them, oh, just don't think about it. You'll be fine. Yeah. Let's talk about that, though, because like with mental illness, like they're not necessarily like worse than the other. I mean, I struggle with anxiety as well. And actually, one of the side effects of one of the medications that I was on, it gave me extreme anxiety. Like... I felt like time was passing so slowly. My heart was beating out of my chest. I woke up in the morning feeling like there was an elephant sitting on top of me. And I remember thinking people that struggle with anxiety are seriously warriors. Like how do people live with this every single day? So like anxiety is terrible. Like it's so hard to deal with and depression is terrible. Like all of it just 
for lack of a better term, sucks. It all sucks. Adulting is hard. Yes. And it's like, it only gets worse. No, don't tell people that. (laughs) No, No, adulting, adulting. (laughs) Adulting is fantastic. We have so many freedoms. No, the other day, like I'm 26, right? And I went outside and my car wouldn't start. And like, it was obviously my car battery, but I was like, what do I do? Like my mom has always done these things for me. Like, is this what adulting is? Because I need to go back. Like, this is awful. Yeah. I've not made my bed. I've not put sheets on my bed in approximately like three weeks. I changed my pillowcase and I'm like, adulting's hard. That fitted sheet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just, um, okay. I do want to take the time. This is a perfect time to hand out gold stars as well, because staying is just as brave too, right? Mm-hmm. Like living life, waking up every day, knowing, like you said, this is part of me. I'm going to yep. deal with it. some days. I'm going to have bad days. Some days I'm going to have good days. That's freaking brave. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you chose that, although the other decision is brave, uh, a lot of people would be too cowardly to end their life, not knowing for sure what was going to happen. I feel like staying and fighting through that battle, dealing with these people that may or may not judge you, continuing your entire life doing medication and mental health exercises and educating. There's so much to do. That's just on a different playing field of brave, right? Mm-hmm. And so I do want to address that. We talk, we jokingly and not jokingly talked about, you know, a lot of people hardly to end their life. Mm-hmm. That is, I mean, that's just not a good term use for me is that they were cowardly that's a pet peeve for me uh-huh but living mm-hmm. so brave so strong life is hard right it is so hard nobody said it was going to be easy making your bed is hard yes <laughs> yes so, because i want to reiterate i want to quote you you said it gets better with time mm-hmm. and it does same for me I, the rug got swept out from underneath me Oh, completely around 2016, 2017, I literally felt like, literally felt like in my moment of anxiety, it was dark and I could feel walls closing in on me. It's like claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, you think this is it. I'm going to be this way forever. Mm-hmm. And it could be a 10, 20, 30 minute, um, I guess you call it attack moment, whatever. Yep. It could be one minute, but in that minute, your brain says, this is it. I'm this stuck it. like forever. Yep. Yeah. But it gets better. Gosh, minutes what a better. terrible feeling that is, you know? Yeah. But it gets better. Like it does. Just- and even like it gets better throughout the years, but it also can get better within just like a day, you know? Yeah, so I've had it's moments where, and, and I'll be honest, like the suicidal thoughts, that's just something that I'll always have. I still have them. I'm not going to act on anything, but it's just something that I live with. And so when I was having a really rough day last week, I remember sitting on the couch thinking, oh no, am I spiraling back to where I was? Just a million things. Also some anxiety going on, going through my head. And the next morning I woke up and I thought, wow, I did it. Yeah. Good going. And it was like the best day. You're like, high five to myself. Yes. Pat on the back you know? And so it gets better throughout the years and it also can get better throughout the days. The sun will rise and we will try again. I have that on a huge canvas in my house. So you do have Hobby Lobby quotes. (laughs) Not choose joy. It's not. (laughs) No. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. Some days for me, literally just going to bed. Anxiety makes you incredibly tired. Yes. Literally taking a nap or going to bed restarts me and I'm ready to go the next day. Yep. Yeah. So for people that are struggling, literally tomorrow morning, you could be a totally different person. Mm -hmm. And there's so many, so many ways you can go, so many places you can go, so many places you can turn to that can help you. And like we talked about, there are medical, medical, miracle medications nowadays. Right. um, references you can find. If you need any of those, feel free to message me. I've got a big referral list. I can get you names. I can get you numbers. I'm sure Tess will be willing to chit chat with you if you have any questions or concerns for her as well. Um, Last thing, 
what are some things people can say to people they feel like are struggling? Like, what are the right words? Because I don't want to be like, hey, you seem like you're going to jump off a bridge. <laughs> like, what's a good way to term that? Um, so I saw a TikTok the other day, and it's probably the most powerful TikTok I've ever seen. And I love TikTok because you'll be laughing one minute and then the next minute it's something like super profound and you're like, whoa. So I saw a TikTok the other day and it like made me cry in a good way. And it was a girl that had, she was about to take her own life and she was on the edge of a, like a cliff and she was going to jump. And somehow, I don't know the whole story, but the fire department showed up and she said, this firefighter said to me, he said, just try it one more time. Just one more time. And she said, that's something that I say to myself every single day. So if you have to say to yourself every day, just try it one more time. And you just keep saying that to yourself. When you keep trying, it's going to get better. Um, and so just telling someone, just keep on going. You are so strong and you are so powerful and you are so brave for going through this. And I could never go through what you're doing and you're doing such a good job. I think hearing that, hearing that you are doing a good job when you don't feel like you are, um, that can mean so much to someone. Um, don't tell them, just choose to be happy. Right. Like I, I would love that. You know, I wish that I could just say, okay, I'm going to choose some happy today. You know, we all want that. Um, but just saying, you know what? Life really sucks right now. Just let me know what I can do for you and just, just try it. Let's try it one more time. Let's just keep trying um, over and over and over. I love Never that. give up. That's what you need written in a poster. Yeah. One try more it time. One more yeah. I love it, man. That's good. I'm gonna have to steal that from you. I'm gonna have to quote that on a post or something. That's fantastic. I love it. That I'll send you the, I'll send you the TikTok. Okay. One, I'm feeling better about myself. Like I want to write that on a canvas, like try it one more time. Two, I really want some lemon strawberry cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Me too uh, now. And they're gone. Uh, I'm just so What? They're gone. All this buildup and they're gone. Yeah, well, I made them last weekend. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> All right, Tess, I want to thank you so, so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me. I know you were nervous. This is such a sensitive topic and mm -hmm. one that I am so glad we could joke about and laugh about. Um, such a, a heavy conversation, but one that we need to have, right? This conversation, for sure, we're going to use the Brene Brown quote that I pretty much do every time. We aren't here to be right. We're here to get it right. Mm -hmm. And so anything you heard during this live stream is not written in stone. This is our story, Tessa's story. This is how we do it ourselves. That does not mean it is perfect for you. It does not mean that we are expertise uh, in this area, but we're just here to help spread some laughter, spread some hope and a little good word, right? And spread some joy. <laughs> and a gold star. Choose joy. Choose joy. Thank you for helping spread a light. You are so brave if nobody's told you today, and I'm glad you decided to give it one more shot. One more time. <laughs> one more time. One more time. Thank you, you so much, Townsend. Absolutely. Have a good evening, everybody. Good one. Bye. Thanks, yeah. everyone. If you're looking to buy or sell, I have the perfect realty company for you. Clark & Co. Realty is located in the Benton, Bryant, Arkansas area. And they understand that buying or selling a home is more than just a transaction. It's a life-changing experience. That's why their team of highly seasoned real estate professionals is dedicated to providing exceptional, personalized services for all their clients. They truly take great pride in the relationships they build, and they always work relentlessly on the client's behalf to help them achieve their perfect real estate goals. They always have the client in mind, and I can speak firsthand when I say how reliable, trustworthy, and quick they were. When I was looking to buy my first home, they were there with me every step of the way, answering every question I could think of. They showed me a great amount of knowledge and patience through the process. 
It's no wonder they've won so many awards for their outstanding services and their excellent relationships with clients. So if you're looking to buy or sell, there is no better option than Clark & Co Realty. If you're looking for the perfect place to relax and unwind after a long day at work, you want to grab a cold drink with a good friend, a good community, Lucky Lou's is for you. It's located in Little Rock, Arkansas. It was founded by two friends sharing the same dream. They wanted to make a place where everyone would feel comfortable and accepted, dogs included. They wanted people to feel a little bit like they were back home. So grab a friend, grab a dog, or 12, and head over to Lucky Lou's, where you can make your own luck. Okay, here's the best advice you're going to get today. If you're driving through Conway, Arkansas, swing by Cross Creek Sandwich Shop. Honestly, talking about this sandwich store is making my mouth water. My personal favorite's the turkey bacon wrap, and I can't leave without buying their homemade strawberry cookie. If you haven't tried these, you are missing out. Now, they have all different options for sandwiches, wraps, salads, desserts, soups. So swing by. I promise you'll thank me. If you enjoyed this conversation and are interested in becoming a sponsor, feel free to shoot me an email at townsendtmusic at hotmail.com or shoot me a message on any social media platform at townsendtmusic for more information. I would love for you to become a member to help spread awareness that you're not alone. Show your home.